You know, I didn't, uh, I didn't plan it this way, but it's interesting how the Holy Spirit works. Um, we talked last week about Acts 11 and how the Lord sometimes has to change our thinking. Remember, he changed the thinking of the Jews in terms of the Gentiles receiving the gospel and being part of the body of Christ. This morning, we're going to talk about how we discern the leading of the Lord. Now, we just heard evidence of that, right? that Warren said it was so clear, it was so obvious, there were no hiccups. And we'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. But we want to discern how, how the Lord leads. How do we know it? How do we understand exactly what's going on? Now, the believers in Acts had confirmation, right? They had, they had Peter's testimony that he had had a vision in Caesarea, that he knew exactly what God was telling him to do. They had the Holy Spirit filling them. There was clear evidence of that. But, but that's not always that obvious to us in 2018. We don't always get a, a word from the Lord that is, that is that tangible. And what happens when we don't? How do we perceive? We might get a strong sense in the Holy Spirit that something's going on. But, but how do we know for sure? Because we know the enemy's deceptive, right? And we know that he presents himself as an angel of light. He is trying everything he can to confuse us and to get us to disobey the Lord. So we want this week and next week to, to understand and learn eight distinctive indicators that the leading is from the Lord. So take your Bible, turn to John chapter 14. We're going to look at a number of passages this morning, so be ready to turn. Take some notes so you can go back and look at these texts more in depth, but but how do we discern, how do we know when it's the Holy Spirit? Because we want to walk in the paths of righteousness. We want to stay right in the center of God's will at all time. And, and really the most essential characteristic and the most essential need in each of these eight indicators is having the spiritual maturity and the spiritual wisdom to recognize what the enemy would never promote. You know, the enemy will promote a lot of things, he'll twist a lot of things, but, but there is a certain line he will not cross because he knows once he crosses that line, it's actually counterproductive to his kingdom. So he will push us and test us and, and, and try to, to play this dangerous game to get us to, to go against the will of the Lord, hoping that we'll give in quickly, hoping that we'll panic and, and just kind of run ahead of the Lord and not wait for the Lord's leading. So, so walking by the Spirit, getting discernment requires patience. And it requires perseverance. And it requires waiting on the Lord to know that it's really the Holy Spirit. If Warren and Karen hadn't uh, sensed very clearly and known with all the details that the Lord was leading... I know them well enough and know that they've been saved long enough that if there were obstacles in the way, they would have said, wait a second, this isn't the time. This isn't the right move right now. We need to wait till the Lord confirms that. And many times we'll jump ahead and we'll say, well, it seems right and, and most of the details are right, so I'm just going to go ahead. And that's what the enemy tries to get us to do. He tries to get us to advance ahead of the leading of the Lord. So this morning, let's discover four distinctives that the Lord says in the Bible, this is how you know. This is how you can understand that is my leading, okay? Start. John chapter 14, look at verses 23 to 26. Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, 
and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the words which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Okay, number one. First indication that it's the Lord's leading is the Lord's leading is always fully supported by his word. It is always fully supported by his word. Whenever you want to know the Lord's direction, it always begins with the Bible. Now, a lot of people say it begins with prayer. We'll talk about prayer in a couple minutes. But God's clear, tangible, distinctive revelation of his will is what you're holding in your hands. These are his commands, his laws, his guidance, and the word is the primary way that the Spirit of God will instruct us. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? Tell me, the word of God. So the word is absolutely important. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scriptures given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for our teaching, reproof, correction, and our training in righteousness. So, so it, it begins with understanding how to live. This is what God expects. Because we're redeemed, this is how you're supposed to live. It's not confusing. There's no uh, hesitation or question or, or it's not so above our intelligence that we can't comprehend it. Any person can study the word of God. And through it, he speaks powerly, powerfully and personally. And the Bible says it's living and active and it equips us to do his will and to discern his voice. So if you can't confirm that leading or that message by the word of God, if it doesn't completely line up with what the Bible says, it's not trustworthy. The word of God stands as it's written. It's not subjective. It is not open to interpretation and nuance. You can't add to it. You can't manipulate it to say what you want it to say. Take it right at face value and then live by it because it's the holy word of God. And too often I think people just like, well, just kind of pick and choose the parts. No, it's the whole counsel of God. Every single word is important. The Old Testament is not, uh, not uh, irrelevant at this point because it was about the Jews and so it says. No, it teaches us why we're such sinners. It teaches us about the power of God and the grace of God and the leading of God and the sacrificial system and how God works with his chosen people. I mean, there's so many things that the Old Testament has in terms of relevance for us. So the whole counsel of God applies to us. Now, what does that mean? It means that if a leading goes directly against Scripture, it goes without saying that it's wrong. If you say, well, the Lord wants me to do this. All right, hold it up against Scripture. Well, Scripture condemns that. Well, then why are you going forward? Well, why, why would you even think about that? Don't debate it. Don't, don't try to justify it or make it work. Just avoid it because the Lord never goes against his word. The Lord will never contradict his word. Now, let me give you an example of this that, that we've probably all um, had impact our lives in some way. If you're married and you're starting to have difficulty in the relationship and you think it's okay to give up, or you think it's okay to pursue an affair with somebody because you're not happy or you're not fulfilled, let me tell you right now, the Lord will never condone that. 
I've had so many people in my office over 30 years who attempt to justify being unfaithful because, quote, I've never been happier. Oh, pastor, I've never been happier. And, and she understands me. My wife doesn't. My wife doesn't listen anymore. Maybe it's because you're boring. And, 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 and she makes me feel so special. And, and, and you know what? Here's the bottom line. You're selfish. And you're unwilling to submit to the Lord and to love your bride or love your husband. And, and you're unwilling to obey. And that is the path of destruction. The Lord specifically says in his word, Exodus 20, don't commit adultery. And even an emotional affair that steals your heart and turns you against your spouse, that's defiant to the Lord. God will never bless anything that is contrary to his word. Don't even try. Don't don't even think that's a possibility because he never will. So as we seek his leading and as we seek his direction, we have to measure it against the word. Now you might be saying, what happens if the word doesn't address it? Or what happens if it's unclear? Well, at that point, then run it through these other seven filters that we're going to study. But in the meantime, until the Lord does confirm it one way or the other, be very, very, very hesitant about moving forward. Don't say, well, it's not clear, so I can do it. Nope, doesn't work that way. Make sure you're testing it through other things. And one of the great cautions here is that the devil enjoys twisting Scripture. And he likes to lead us down a path that seems to make sense, but it actually leads to destruction. Remember how he does this in Luke 4? Jesus gets out in the wilderness 40 days without food or water. He's weak, he's tired, and the devil comes along. And as he tempts Jesus, remember what he does? He misquotes scripture. And he twists scripture and uses it in a way that changes its meaning because he's trying to trap Jesus. And I've said before, and I'll say it again, if he has the audacity to do that with the word of God in flesh, do you think he's going to think twice about doing it to you and me? He will take scripture, he'll manipulate it, He's not scared of it. He should be because he's going to the lake of fire. But, but he'll, he'll just twist it and turn it. Oh, well, well, it looks like there's some latitude there, Paul. And, and you might be able to get away with that because the scripture's not abundantly clear. Listen, this has been his attack plan with the culture, right? The last 20 years, I'm stunned. Like, I, I, I think I'm a pretty intelligent and, and, and you know, I, I, I watch the culture and all that kind of stuff. But the last 20 years, I've been stunned. Truth is completely subjective. It's open to individual interpretation and feelings and bias and whatever else is blowing in the wind right now. And if we dare to say that the Bible's true, there's objective truth based on the Word of God, we get ridiculed. Now that's discouraging, isn't it? But it should not stop us. Because like Jesus, we need to speak the truth and shut down the work of the enemy. This is why we need to be so educated, listen now, so educated in the word of God, why we need to study it and memorize it so it's so familiar, so we're ready to give a rational, biblical response when truth is being trampled on and when lies are being told and people are down the wrong path. Those youth that are going out Wednesday night, we need to pray for them. I'm going to pray for them because people are going to try to, I think this and I was told this and the Bible doesn't say that. 
And they, listen, 1 Peter 3.15 says, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready to give an answer. That's not just the youth going out Wednesday night. That's every single believer. Be able to give it a defense. Be able to give an account of the hope that's in you with gentleness and reverence. To do that, you have to know the word of God. We cannot, believer, we cannot be lazy about the word of God. We have to study the word of God. We have to show ourselves approved unto God. Okay? So that's the first indicator. The Lord's leading will always be fully supported by his word. Second, turn over to 2 Samuel 5. 2 Samuel chapter 5. And as you turn, let me give you the second indicator. The Lord's leading, the Lord's leading will fill us with peace after we seek him. The Lord's leading will fill us with peace after we seek him. Now this one is a little less precise. So we have to be careful and we have to see what scripture says about it. The spirit of God will lead us in in one of two ways. Either he'll lead us forward in a certain direction or he will stop us from moving in a certain direction. It's either forward or stop. And we're going to see an example of forward here in 2 Samuel 5. And then in just a second, we're going to go to Acts 16 and look at an example of being stopped. But 2 Samuel 5, start in verse 17. We've studied this text before. When the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to seek out David. And when David heard of it, he went down to the stronghold. The Philistines came and spread themselves out in the valley of Rephaim. David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. So David came to Baal-perazim and defeated them there and said, The Lord has broken through my enemies before me like the breakthrough of waters. Therefore he named that place Baal-perazim. They abandoned their idols there, so David and his men carried them away. Now the Philistines came up once again and spread themselves out in the valley of Rephaim. David inquired of the Lord, and he said, You shall not go directly up. Circle around behind them and come at them in front of the balsam trees. It shall be when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the trees, you shall act promptly, for then the Lord will have gone out before you to strike the army of the Philistines. Then David did so, just as the Lord had commanded him, and struck down the Philistines from Geber as far as Gezer. Now, here David is facing a significant crisis right at the beginning of his becoming king. Israel's arch enemy, the Philistines, decides that that they're going to try to squash his kingdom right at the start. Maybe if they can discourage him, maybe if they can hit the enemy and and defeat the armies, that it'll discourage David and then they'll be able to have control over them. So they come down in full force. They gather in the valley like, like ants on a, on a beach. They're just, they're just gathered all over the valley, and they're trying to intimidate David. They think, we're going to force a war. We're stronger than David. He's young. He's new. We'll take advantage of them. But they don't count on the fact that the Lord's going to stand for his people. And when we trust him and call on him, he will give us help. Now, that's something Saul quickly forgot. When he became king, Saul was actually in the will of the Lord, but very quickly he abandoned that and he stopped asking God for help. But it's the hallmark of David's life that he consistently looked for the Lord for help. And I want you to look back at the text because here's a perfect example of how diligently he prayed and he trusted. When the Philistines show up the first time, 
David asked the Lord, should I go forward? And are you going to give me victory? The Lord says, I am and I will. So go forward. David does. We see in the end of the verses that he gets a breakthrough. They have victory. But the Philistines don't retreat. They come right back. And they regroup and they provoke Israel again. But instead of assuming that the Lord's promise from 10 minutes ago still applies, David says, we got to pray again. How many know it's never a bad thing to say we got to pray again? we got to pray again. Lord, what's going to happen here? Are you going to give us victory? And notice that the Lord, in verses 22 to 25, gives him a different battle plan that assures victory. Now we, I don't know about you, I've never gotten a verbal, out loud, audible confirmation from the Lord when I pray. I know I've gotten feelings in my spirit, but, but I've never heard the Lord say, yes, Paul, go. And that's fine. So how do I know? How do I know it's really the Lord's leading? Well, the first principle here is that we need to persevere in prayer. We need to persevere in prayer until the Lord gives a confirmation of his clear direction and help. Now you say, well, Paul, how am I going to know that? Well, Jesus told us, my sheep know my voice. Remember, we just spent six weeks in Psalm 23. My sheep know my voice. So as we mature in our faith, we should be able to distinguish. We should be able to recognize and discern when the Spirit is the one leading and prompting us. If we can't perceive that, it is almost certain, in fact, I would say it is certain, that we at that point are living for ourselves. We're like the sheep in Psalm 23. We're kind of wandering away. You say, well, I'm not very far from the Lord. Yes, but you are far from the Lord. Any distance is not a good distance. So if we're like sheep and wandering away and we're walking in sin, and then we're going to the Lord and praying, well, Lord, show me your will, Lord. Show me your will. Give me your leading. And the Lord's going, you can't even hear me. You're too far away. My sheep know my voice, and they hear it. And in my presence is fullness of joy, and I'll lead you, and I'll guide you, and I'll direct you, but you need to persevere until you get my direction. And then, second principle of that, the Spirit confirms his leading with a strong sense of peace and security. When we haven't prayed enough, you ever experienced this? When you haven't prayed enough, and you try to move forward ahead of the Lord, what happens? There's a restlessness, right? You're churning. It doesn't make sense. You don't quite feel peace. But when you diligently seek him in faith, David says in Psalm 34, 4, the Lord will answer and he will deliver us from all of our fears. Hebrews says, The Lord is the rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. Isaiah says, I will give you perfect peace if you trust me with a steadfast mind. Peace is not elusive. It's not, well, I'll never know and I'll never be confident. No, I'll give you perfect peace if you trust in me. I'll give you perfect peace if you're steadfast and rely on me. I'll deliver you from all your fears. You just call on me and I will answer. But you've got to be close to me and you've got to stay steady to me. Let me give you a personal example of this that's impacted all of us. Eight summers ago, when a couple groups of people approached me about starting a church, my consistent response was, not on your life. 
Now, there were a number of reasons for that that I won't go into, but I had already had some phone interviews with some churches around the country, and we were ready. We were planning to move from Wisconsin, wherever the Lord wanted to lead us. We were fine. Let's just go. But as I'm going through that process, I'm getting counsel from a couple pastors. I'm talking to my dad, who's a pastor for 60 years, and I talked to my friend, Pastor Toledo, down at Chicago Tabernacle. And I'll never forget, I could take you to the place right now, Lowell Avenue in Chicago, just down the street from McNamara's restaurant, standing underneath a tree. And he encouraged me. He said, Paul, if there, there are three specific conditions that, that if they meet those, if when next time you meet with those guys, if they say, we'll do those three things, he said, you need to do it. Of course, a couple nights later at the meeting with those men, guess what happened? Without prompting, they laid out those three exact conditions. Remember, that's not my plan. I didn't want to do it. In fact, as I drove away, I'm like, rats, I got to do this. And yet... I knew, and Julie knew, that if we didn't do it, that we would be in direct disobedience to the Lord. Nobody wants to be in direct disobedience to the Lord. So at the same time, I was going, I got to stay in Wisconsin, which has grown on me, by the way. I didn't realize what a blessing it would be. What a blessing this church has been to us, let alone to so many, and, and has helped us and grown us, and we've grown together as a church. So, so God's leading sometimes is very direct. When I sat there at that table of a restaurant that's no longer there, and they laid out those three things, and I went, you got to be joking. Like, it's exact. It's exact, because that's how the Lord leads. Now, there are other times he leads differently. Turn over to Acts 16 for a minute. Because sometimes the Lord says, I don't want you to move forward. In fact, I'm going to establish some roadblocks in front of you, or I'm going to put what we call a check in your spirit so you don't move forward, because that's not my will. That's not my leading. Look at verse 6. They passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden, notice that word, forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. After they came to Mysia, they were trying to go into Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. They say, all right, well, Paul's going out with Timothy. They're spreading the gospel through what is now Turkey. They're going into Europe. They're going into Asia. It would make sense that God would want the gospel to go everywhere at this point. And yet, as they move through central Turkey, the Lord says, do not go north. We're not given a reason in the text. We don't know if they heard that audibly, but they knew. God said, do not go north. In fact, twice he says it. Now, to them, I'm sure it seemed very logical. Well, we want to cover all the area. And there are times when it makes sense to us, and it feels right, and our emotions and desires want that to happen, and we don't understand why the Lord is saying, don't do this. But sometimes the Spirit of God just puts a check in our plans, and he closes doors, and he limits our ability to keep moving forward until we trust that he's saying no. If at that meeting with those men, if they had contradicted that or they had in some way uh, put up discouragement, there's no way I would have gone forward. We would not be sitting here today if that had happened. 
And I'm sure Paul and Timothy are going, man, we want to go up to Bithynia. We, there, there are people that could be saved up there. But the Spirit says twice, don't go there. Don't go there. At least not right now. Don't go there. You may have experienced this before. You pray, and you pray, and you're ready to go forward, and suddenly the prayers get interrupted. It's so important in those times to seek the Lord more and to say, Lord, are you going to confirm this or are you going to hold this? This also plays out, sometimes we get, a, we get a very strong sense in our spirit that there's a problem, that we need to be on guard. Maybe you're in a, a parking lot, maybe you're female and you're in a parking lot, and you just, you just get that, that sense, right? Somebody's watching me, somebody's, somebody's thinking danger to me. Many times the spirit is, is in, our, in our soul just saying, watch out. Be careful. There's danger close by. You need, you need to watch what you're doing. Walk circumspectly right now. See, the challenge of this is it's more subjective. And our emotions and our desires can kind of get involved. And we may conclude that it's the spirit when it's really just our anxiety. But if you're walking in the spirit and you're trusting in him and you're abiding in his presence, those checks, those, those stops, those roadblocks will become much more clear and much more certain. Okay? So that's number two. Now turn over. I told you you're going to turn a lot. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 11. Good thing we're not trying to do all eight this morning, right? Proverbs chapter 11, the third indicator. The Lord's leading will be affirmed by spiritually mature people. The Lord's leading will be affirmed by spiritually mature people. After the word, after prayer, the Lord will often lead and instruct us through godly people. Like when I was talking to those pastors and I was calling my dad mom every night and getting his counsel as a pastor. And when I met with Pastor Toledo down in Chicago and he gave me that specific counsel. I wanted counsel from godly people that I trusted that I knew were mature and were calling on the Lord and abiding in the presence of the Lord. So it's important as we try to make decisions that, that we're doing that, we're following the leading only after we've studied the word, only after we've prayed, and only after we've gotten advice from people who are faithfully walking with the Lord every day. Now, look at what the Spirit tells us through Solomon here in Proverbs eleven four. The verse says that if we don't seek wise counsel, we'll fail. If you don't seek wise counsel, you'll fail. But when you consult with multiple Spiritually wise and mature people, there's security in your discernment. We want security in our discernment. We don't want to just talk to people who tell us what we want to hear. Well, just, just, just be a sycophant to me. Just, just, just affirm what I want. A lot of times we, we, we try to treat it like that. We don't get the opinion of somebody that's walking with the Lord. We get the opinion of somebody that's not walking with the Lord. Well, how can we trust that? Because they're listening to their own foolishness. The Bible says that man's wisdom is foolishness to God. So why would I get counsel from somebody that's not walking with the Lord? If I want to know the leading of the Lord, I should talk to somebody that actually walks with him. And listen to some other verses from Proverbs. Chapter 15, verse 22. Without counsel, plans go awry. 
1920, listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. 1927, cease listening to instruction and you'll stray from the words of knowledge. 24.5, a wise man is strong and a man of knowledge increases strength. So if you're not clear what the Lord's saying, or you're concerned that your opinion and emotions might be clouding your insight, Ask some spiritually mature people around you to pray and to give you counsel, and you'll know that the Lord's confirming it when they all agree. If you got spiritually mature people and you say, listen, I, I'm struggling to make a decision. I'm trying to sense the leading of the Lord. Can you, can you pray for me? Can you pray for me for a week? You, 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 and you, independently, just pray for me for a week. Pray that God will, will give you wisdom about what I'm supposed to do. And when you come back, if it's the leading of the Lord, all four of those people will say the same thing. And you'll say, all right, that's the leading of the Lord. Now, that takes us to the last indicator. Go over to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And here's the fourth indicator. The Lord's leading... This is a long one, sorry. Couldn't figure out how to write it. The Lord's leading is always away from bondage and toward what is spiritually beneficial. The Lord's leading is always away from bondage and toward what is spiritually beneficial. Galatians chapter 5, look at verse 1. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Verse 13, you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Verse 16, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Verse 25, if you live by the Spirit, you also walk by the Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit makes it abundantly clear here. Verse 1, he says, Christ died and rose again in order to save us and in order to free us, Keyword: in order to free us from our sin. Romans 6 says, you once were in bondage, you were slaves to sin, unable to save yourself from the eternal condemnation and punishment and judgment that sin sentences us to. We had no hope, no way out, we were in bondage, we were enslaved to sin, and we didn't even want to get away from it. Then Paul says in Romans 8, there is therefore now, oh, praise the Lord for this, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He set us free from the slavery of corruption into the freedom of his glory. Praise the Lord. And Jesus confirms this in Matthew 6. He says, those I have set free are free indeed. In other words, there's no, no uh, way that the devil can come back now and grab you and put you back in the eternal chains of bondage. He can maybe temporarily trap you a little bit, but he has no right to you. I own you. You're mine. I bought you with the price of my blood. Now you are free indeed forever for all eternity. My work is sufficient. And my work is complete. And no more sacrifice is needed. It's done. Those who trust in me are saved from bondage for all eternity. It's done. Now, wonderful, right? Praise the Lord. We celebrate that. 
But the Spirit says, in light of this, in light of this, believer, if you trust that, if Jesus is yours and you've surrendered your life to him and he's bought you with a price and you're redeemed and eternally secure, if if that's true, okay, go back to verse 1, then stand firm and do not subject yourselves again, notice the word again, to the yoke of slavery. Verses 13 and 15, 16. Don't turn your freedom into an opportunity for flesh. In other words, don't say, well, now I'm free. I can live however I want. I can do whatever I want because the devil can't steal it away. God promises it's forever. So now, party time. Like, it's great. I'm forgiven. I'm redeemed. I'm owned by the Lord. I have my ticket to heaven. I'm good to go. Now I can just do whatever I want. No, the Holy Spirit says, don't yield to that. Don't let that freedom become an opportunity for the flesh. Instead, walk in me. And when we walk by the Spirit, we're led by the Spirit, and he will always, 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 always guide us to reject the old self that was under bondage and to live in the new self that is redeemed and free. Holy Spirit will never encourage us to sin. You say, well, Paul, that's obvious. Well, then when we're sinning, who are we following? Because the Holy Spirit didn't lead us there. God's not tempting us. The devil's tempting us. So if I give in to sin, and and I yield to that, and I live for myself, and and I react out of pride, I'm not following the leading of the Holy Spirit ever. There's never a time I can say, well, the Holy Spirit led me to do that. Nope. The devil led you to do that, and you bit it. You took the, the fruit, and you just took a big bite. Now, The Holy Spirit's only going to lead us toward what's spiritually beneficial. But not only does he endorse what is holy and what's pleasing to the Lord, but he also, at the same time, diffuses fear and oppression and feelings of defeat. Remember when Timothy's struggling in 2 Timothy 1? And apparently he wrote to Paul and said, I'm done, I'm through, I've, I've... I'm so tired of ministry. I'm so tired of people. I can't do it. They're wearing me out. Ephesus is a crazy place. Nobody wants to worship the Lord. Paul, I can't do it. And Paul writes to him in 2 Timothy 1, 7 and says, Timothy, let me tell you something. God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's not given us a spirit of timidity. He's given us power and love and discipline. So as you walk in him, he will fill you He'll encourage you, he'll strengthen you to decisively reject temptation, to no longer desire to live in the flesh. Now, if you still want to live in the flesh, you're probably not walking in him. Because when you walk in him, he will take that desire away and he'll renew your mind so you'll pursue what's spiritually wise and he'll change your cravings. Because no longer will you crave sin, now you'll hunger and thirst after righteousness. See, the Holy Spirit always wants to lead us to what is mature and what is pleasing to the Lord. And that's one of the ways you can discern whether you are really walking by the Spirit. Ask yourself, what am I hungry for? Am I hungry for righteousness or am I hungry for what will satisfy me? The enemy will never show us 
that we are living for ourselves, which is why we need the Spirit to be honest with us. And we need to say, search me and know me. Holy Spirit, if there's any wicked way in me, and if there is, convict me of it and cleanse me. Because the devil's never going to say, oh, Rhodes, you're living for yourself today. How's it going? He's going to go, no, this just makes sense. This is just what you do. You're human. Come on. Cut yourself some slack. The Spirit never leads us to anything other than what is pure and sanctified and what benefits us spiritually. Now, we're going to study next week four more indicators. And those are going to show us the purpose of the Spirit's leading. But, but this morning, you may be struggling to discern whether the Lord's the one who's directing you. How am I sure of that? Well, Paul, you give me some insight here. The Holy Spirit's taught us through his word, but, but how do I know? Listen, I want to encourage you. Hold up to whatever you are trying to understand. Hold it up against these four principles. And it will give you greater clarity about whether you're really hearing from him or whether you're being subtly deceived. It's so important, though. Listen now. It's so important to start with your own spiritual condition. Do you love the Lord with all your heart? Are you really trusting him completely? Are you walking in holiness? Are you surrendered to his spirit? Or is there a rebellion and a resistance and a self that's there that you have not given to him? The Lord's leading will never be clear We'll never have the answer to those questions until the answer to those questions is yes. You'll never know the leading of the Lord until you can say without a doubt, yes, I love the Lord. Yes, I am trusting the Lord. Yes, I am to the best of my ability. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I am walking in holiness. I am surrendered to the Lord. Yes, I, I mess up once in a while, but I am on the path of righteousness. When we do that, his guidance, listen now, it will be un mistakable you will know that's the voice of the lord because i'm one of his sheep the lord's my shepherd i shall not want he makes me walk down lie down in green pastures leads me beside the still waters restores my soul oh i walk through the valley shadow of the death but he i don't fear any evil he's with me he comforts me i sit at his table it's full of blessing and abundance i'm one of his sheep and because of one of his sheep, when he talks, I hear it. I know. That's him. That, that, that's my father's voice. That's my Lord's voice. That's my Savior's voice. And I'm going to follow it. If you need to get there this morning, if you need to make sure your heart's right with him, I pray when we pray in just a second, get right with him. Surrender that to him. Lord, I've been living for myself. I need to live for you. Help me. And the rest of us, let's ask the Lord for some fresh discernment, some fresh understanding of his leading. Praise his name.